men. We are not simple, chest-thumping, rock-smashing, fire-starting barbarians. We have depth. We intensely feel. We are scared, yet brave. We love to have fun. We're imperfect and make mistakes. We're compassionate and loving. We are multifaceted. Let's explore the reality of masculinity together. All right. Today we are going to be talking about something that unfortunately I have a very intimate relationship with, and that is fear. And the reason why I say I have an intimate relationship with fear is because I am a six on the Enneagram. And if you're not familiar with what that is, I would encourage you just look it up, um, take a free test. And I know that, you know, even if you're not a fan of personality tests, in my opinion, the Enneagram does the best job of not tying you into a set, this is who you are, in quote, but it gives you a sense of this is kind of how you're wired and this is what it looks like when you're in a good place and this is what it looks like when you're in a bad place. For me, it does the best job of articulating that and communicating that. But I am a six on the Enneagram and a six is a loyalist, a, an intricate part of how we are hardwired as sixes is fear. Now, we respond one of two ways. Uh, for some, it's you go down the rabbit hole of fear in your mind and you play out worst case scenarios and it actually becomes paralyzing. And the other side of it is you feel fear or it's an intricate part of your life or maybe it's a motivator, but you actually overreact or react to that fear and it can look like being really aggressive uh, really you know being quote-unquote brave because you are doing something that you are afraid of but the driver of it the the fuel in the engine is actually fear like if you removed that you would actually remove the motivation for it so all of that said um, in my life fear has been a part of it. It just has. And it can actually be a beautiful part. Uh, it can actually be a strength. It can be something that moves you closer to who you are meant to be. And that's some of what we're going to get into. Now, to clarify, there's three different kinds of fear. You know, you have physical, you have spiritual, you have emotional. Physical, that is like, you know, an eight foot 450 pound dude walks up to me and says, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> I'm going to be scared. I'm going to be terrified actually just to see an eight foot dude. But that kind of fear is a physical fear response to you. Then there's spiritual, you know, spiritual fear. The spirit of fear is a very real thing. And I don't know if you've ever walked into an environment or to a a bar or a building or any place of business, a restaurant, you name it. And all of a sudden you feel an irrational sense of fear. Well, there, there's a good chance that there is actually a spirit of fear that is connected or associated with that either place of business or, or that land or whatever it may be. And so it's not to negate that or throw that away or dismiss that. I, I believe that that is what 
God is referring to in the Bible of in those moments is where perfect love and its strength can cast out fear. And so um, you have spiritual. Then you have emotional. And that is very much kind of what I'm referring to in the sense of how I'm wired, the emotion of fear being intricately interwoven into how I do life. Now, fear can actually be a roadmap for you if you know how to use it. And the way that you use it is think about in your life the times that you have felt the combination of these two things. Overarching emotion is that you felt afraid either to do something in a moment or to make a life decision. But you also felt a sense of excitement at the same time or joy or that sense of quote unquote feeling alive, right? If those two things are present, what I've learned is that when the joy and the excitement is present and or God's peace that surpasses all understanding and circumstances is present, then the fear can actually be something that is good because I am confronting an internal paradigm that I have grown to find comfortable because it's familiar, but I'm removing or trying to change, or I'm stepping into that next level of who I'm meant to be. And in that requires me to be afraid, to, to stretch myself, to challenge myself, to get uncomfortable. But in doing that, I feel excitement. I feel peace. You know, I've moved across the country literally from, I've lived from Indiana to Pennsylvania to Florida to California to Texas. I mean, I've got a pretty broad spread. And a lot of those were really guided by what I believe to be God's direction for my life at that time. And for a lot of those, I was really afraid. It was unknown. It was completely new. It was moving across the country, even sometimes with my kids. And I was terrified, but I actually had peace that it was the right thing to do. And when I engaged in anything that moved me towards it, I felt excitement. I felt the fear. It was definitely there. But more than that, I felt excitement. I felt anticipation for something that I didn't really know what it was. There was just anticipation. And so that could be, let's just use, let's use a really practical example here. Let's say public speaking. Most people are afraid of public speaking. I know personally know people that have been speaking publicly for years and they say, still say, you know what, Josh, I get butterflies right before I go up. I still get those butterflies. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think when specifically when it comes to public speaking, having a, a small sense of fear or intimidation or of butterflies, it helps keep you grounded and it helps, um, it helps keep you in a place where you understand that the words that you're communicating literally have an impact in guiding people's lives, whether that is decisions in their life or their internal paradigms and things like that. 
And so you shouldn't take that lightly. Like I, I never want to get to a place where I just kind of flippantly feel comfortable with speaking. I, I don't care whether it's the podcast format or video or public speaking at different places. I want to feel slightly intimidated by it because of the reality of what the impact can be when I actually show up in the capacity that I know that I can. And so I'm not saying that it should be completely removed, but oftentimes going back to that roadmap kind of analogy of, you know, a lot of people say, what is my destiny and what am I called to? And, you know, how did God make me? And I'm still trying to figure that out. What do I want to be when I grow up? I'm 45 years old, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. And a lot of that can be found if you take inventory of your life and you identify times that you engage with something new or you engage with something even familiar, but you felt that sense of fear coupled with excitement or peace or joy. And there's a good chance that your calling, your identity, your, your natural strengths lie on the other side of you choosing to step out into that discomfort to actually lean into that fear rather than pull back from it and engage in whatever it is. For a lot of people, we learn how to adapt to staying small enough in who we are that we don't actually have to embrace the discomfort of leaning into who we're meant to be. Like just, let's just go, let's, let's kind of drill down into a couple different fears. Uh, obviously there's the fear of success, right? I mean, something that's something that I've personally dealt with in my life. I remember a phrase that my dad has told me more times than I can count that became a part of my internal thought process that, that the, the byproduct of it became a fear of success. And what that was is he used to always say, Josh, be careful. If your output exceeds your input, then your upkeep will be your downfall. Basically meaning the way that I internally interpreted that was, oh, well, I shouldn't push too hard. I shouldn't pursue success because I am already feeling tired. I already feel overwhelmed. I already feel whatever it may be that's negative. And so success means more of that. And I can already barely keep it together in the sense of the challenge that my life felt in that given time or in that moment. And so that little phrase, I when I adopted it, I took it in as, I mean, there's, there's actually truth and value in that statement, right? Is it if you are not doing self-care, if you're not taking care of yourself, then trying to maintain um, growth or sprints, then you're going to burn out. You just will. So there is value to that statement, right? Adequately applied, not disproportionately taken in to adopt an excuse for pursuing success. So I'm not even saying that that phrase is bad, but in my case, I I took it as, well, my dad, he felt 
overwhelmed by life or didn't pursue certain things in life and you know he he couldn't do it then how how the hell could i right and here i am trying to challenge myself and push myself but i'm terrified of if i if it actually works like the lie that i ad adopted and and brought internally was that the more success that i created meant the more demand meant the more stress meant the more responsibility which meant more pressure, which felt unsustainable. But not taking into account the evolution of who I am as a man and how I can grow into my success instead of be so afraid of it. Or let's, let's just say fear of failure, right? A lot of people, there's a book called Failing Forward, right? For a reason, because most people, I can tell you from my own life, I have failed more times than... I literally could even sit here and communicate. I could probably fill a 45-minute podcast on the areas of failure that I've had. Not in a self-abuse style or way, but just in the reality of it. You know, I've tried businesses that didn't work out. I tried launching a course that succeeded to a degree, but didn't sustain long-term. I have done lots of different things that I've failed at where, but in those, I learned, right? In those failed businesses that didn't work out, I learned a ton from my ability to do marketing and to understand the different markets and dissect it and reverse engineer opportunities. All of that came from my, my quote unquote failure, what, what some people may perceive as just a loss I have learned how to take a failure as a as an opportunity for education or an opportunity for growth rather than a challenge in my masculinity or in who I am or my identity. But see, most of us, when we have that fear of failure, then we just shrink back because when failure is connected to our identity, then if we fail, then it means that we are a failure. It's the exact same thing as taking on shame rather than conviction, right? If you have, if you've done something wrong, you should feel convicted. You should not feel good about yourself if you've done something wrong. But then shame is, I am a bad person, right? The exact same when it comes to failure. When you link failure to your identity or success or failure to your identity, all of a sudden failure becomes really high stakes because if you fail, then that means that you are a failure. And so the fear of failure begins to just take root in your heart. And eventually you learn how to just kind of do your nine to five or stay at a certain level of success or whatever it may be because of that fear of failure. Or how about this one? How about fear of fear of your greatness? As a man, fear of your greatness is a very real thing. And what do I mean by that? Well, from my own life, growing up, I was the black sheep, right? I was the one that confronted my dad in certain times, or I ran away from my home. I joined the Marines. I... I didn't do both at the same time, but I ran away from my home as a teenager 
And I snuck out of my house and drove my parents' car long before I had a license. Like I did all these things that I thought were fun in the moment or the time or the right thing to do, but they were relationally really destructive. And so what happens? Well, I grow up as an adult and all of a sudden my perception is, oh, well, if I'm the black sheep and I have three brothers my parents were separated when I was 16, and my perception was I tore the family apart because I was the one that challenged my dad or confronted my dad. And so the lie that got into my mind there was basically that, well, my greatness, like when I am strong, then marriages fall apart. Then families blow up. You know, if I am that sledgehammer, if I am that blunt person, if I unapologetically accept and embrace who I am as a person, then bad things happen. So for me to out of because I love people, because I want nothing but the best for people, then out of my love for the people in my life, I'm going to choose to stay somewhat small, to not really fully embrace my greatness. Why? Because I'm afraid if I do that, then bad things are headed my way. When reality is not embracing my greatness creates its own problems. Me being blunt out of a place of love or wisdom or counsel is actually a really beautiful thing. It cuts to the core of what's happening in somebody's life or it clearly outlines what a business should be doing that they're not doing, that kind of stuff. So it's actually a beautiful thing and a good thing. But based on my experiences as a teenager, I believe that my greatness just led to bad things. So how do I manage that fear? Well, I avoid my greatness. And I mean, those are just a few. Obviously, there are all kinds of fears that we encounter. But from what I've seen, those are kind of the three pillars that really hold us back from owning our masculinity and pursuing who we know we can be. And so if you feel like you've connected to that or you're like, yeah, Josh, I mean, the way that you said that fear of success thing, man, that's like me to a T. Well, here's the thing. When I meet with clients, I, I often tell them, you know, they, they kind of give me the rundown of what their challenge is or their problem is or what they're facing or trying to overcome. And I say, you know, this relationship is kind of like a 450-pound guy walking into a gym saying, I want to lose weight. And what I mean by that is not that you are overweight or unhealthy, but it's the fact that what needs to happen is actually pretty straightforward. But what needs to happen is really hard, really challenging, really scary. And so using the analogy, it's like, okay, pretty straightforward. You got to change your diet. You got to change your sleep habits. You got to work out three times a day. You got to do like, there's all these things. And guess what? You'll lose weight. Well, the same is true when it comes to fear. There's really no shortcut to it. I remember when I was speaking in Mexico and I did a, a Q&A time and somebody raised their hand because I was talking about fear. I was talking about facing your fear. And 
so afterwards, this this sweet sweet gal raised her hand and she said, "Josh, um, is there is there any way to kind of work on the fear of public speaking without public speaking, maybe?" And I said, "Well, that's kind of like asking how to become a master chef without cooking anything. Sometimes you just have to do what is necessary to actually move into who you're meant to be." And so when it comes to fear, it's pretty straightforward. You need to be afraid and do it anyways. You need to find, take that inventory of your life and see where am I afraid, but I'm really excited when I try it or my heart's been longing to do it or when I engage in whatever it is that I'm afraid of, the response from people is, holy cow, you have a gift for this, you're a natural, you're all this stuff, but it scares the living mm out of me. Well, that's probably a really good roadmap for you to start to follow, to lean into, and to practically identify one, two, three things that you can do in the next month that will confront that fear, that will intentionally put you in a position of being uncomfortable to face that fear. And guess what? You're probably going to have to do it more than once or twice or 10 times or 100 times. God's sovereignty can trump anything and do it in a moment. But if that doesn't happen, it's our responsibility to embrace the process and the journey necessary for us to own our greatness and who we're meant to be. Don't let fear be the thing that drives regret later in life. It's happened to too many people. It's happened to me. Fortunately, I'm young enough to where I'm not at the end of the road and I can choose to be proactive and face it. And you know, deep down inside, you know, what are those areas of your life that you're choosing to avoid? You're choosing to sabotage? You're choosing to hide from? Because fear, because fear is the driver of that. I don't know of anyone that became great, that owned their full identity without fear being a part of their story. The ones who became great felt the fear and pushed on and pushed through. And the ones that just became meh, you know, good people, but not all that they could become are the ones that let fear create a glass ceiling on their potential that they learned how to live with, even if it's not what they fully wanted in life. So embrace fear by letting it be a roadmap to who you're meant to be. Confront it, lean into it, and you will be shocked at what is on the other side of that glass ceiling.